September. This is the Scum and Snake Fantasy Football Show about the LV Dynasty Fantasy Football League that we are all in. And boy, it's I'm gonna say it's officially fall. I don't even care. What about yeah, you? It's, I would agree, Scum. It is real. It is getting really, really real. Very, very exciting. And we've got one of our favorite shows. Uh, ready for a new year coming up here. It is the power rankings where everyone gets slotted to what we believe is their ranking going into the year. And this is the one of those episodes come where we just are probably going to just get lambasted by the listeners on where we slotted everyone in their rankings, reasons why, discuss their team, and probably get into some sort of projection-ish for the upcoming year. But Man, we did it. We were basically here was a week away from game one, nine, nine days. Oh, geez, man. I'm so stoked. Yeah. Next week will be our legitimate week one preview. Like the, the season is here. So that's super fun. But like you said, I expect this episode, we, we kind of put the power rankings later on in the season this year, just to let everyone, you know, have a draft, make moves, see where it ended up before we ranked everyone. But like you said, they're going to hate it. We're going to rank them, tank them, shank them, but we're right. So sorry, guys, if you don't agree, but it's just how it is. Yeah, we love you. We thank you. But this is the Scum and Shink Show, and we are the almighty powers around town. So I think we've got some good rankings, though. There probably uh, will be some scuttlebutt hullabaloos, but, uh, and I'm excited to see what the league starts talking about. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Before we get into it, though, Shneek, let's let's do a nonsense minute. Okay. And this one is inspired by just our lives lately. You had mentioned uh, the other day we were talking. You've been eating some. Uh, what were those chips that you had? Ooh, jalapeno ranch ruffles, dude. They were so good. Jalapeno ranch ruffles. I got a bag right here next to me. It's white cheddar Cheeto puffs. Oh, so simply, good. Simply ones. So my question this week is, what are what is the top like off off the beaten path chip that you enjoy? Maybe your top three, top two, whatever. Just give me some names of some, you know, maybe sleeper picks for best chip. Okay, well, obviously I will. I'm gonna have to stick with the jalapeno ranch ruffles. Yeah. Those were a new find this weekend. Surprisingly, super delicious. Um, I do like the Boulder brand from Sprouts, the Boulder brand barbecue. Well, I know, yeah. you know, for, to me, they don't taste like your run-of-the-mill barbecue. They're like a hickory barbecue. They got a little pizzazz to them. I really like those. Um, shoot, off the beaten path, you know, other than, gosh, I guess I'm just not a chip uh, explore explorer i you know i stick to my norm my my usual goes uh yeah but white cheddar puff cheetos sounds pretty good sticking with your barbecue pick i mean maybe this this isn't that off the beaten path i think they're kind of popular but the kettle brand chips you know um Mm -hmm. i guess i don't know if it's like a healthier brand or not really but they've got a bourbon barbecue that i just love i'm like "That's that's the one i want yeah, that sounds good. I also like it's Doritos, but it's the purple bag. I forget what oh. they were actually called. Oh, heck yeah. Purple bag Doritos, dude, are freaking delish. Now, where do you fall on the spicy guys, your flaming hot variety? I, I do not like flaming hot Cheetos, Doritos, and Meetos and Ditos or none of that stuff. I stick away from, I stay away from flaming hot crap i'm just not a part of it give me all the flaming hot itos except ito smith because he's never going to play in the league again but uh the flaming hot funnions shout out to i guess chase because he put me on to those but those are pretty good too flaming hot funnions yep a little uh little combo uh i guess obviously it's a flaming hot funion you you could picture it it's good though got it I got it in my head. All right. Well, that was our nonsense chips. Nonsense chips. Kind of like uh, what Trey Lance has in his finger, right? A little nonsense chip. Yeah, what the heck? He'll be all right. 
Don't worry, your sneak league team is safe. <laughs> oh, just roll, just rolling out three quarterbacks. Let's not get into it. It's a super flex league now. Just no one knows yet except you. <laughs> Let's touch on some other news though, really quick before we get into the power rankings because we are recording on cut down day, so. NFL teams are going down 53-man rosters. Uh, what was your most surprising cut of the day? I think there's one kind of big answer, but I think there were a few that are that are notable that we can talk about at least. But do you have one that kind of stands out as like, oh, wow, I can't believe they cut this guy? Uh, what about – how about the Jags cutting Pharaoh Cooper? Oh, that's pretty big. What about, you just mentioned it a little bit ago in the chat, the Chargers cut Michael Badgley. What, so something Vizcaino won that job. That was interesting. What about the big name, uh, Cam Newton got cut from the Patriots? True. Yep, I was uh, avoiding that for a reason. Uh, just oh, okay. super, super obvious. But, yeah, that is pretty wild. I don't think we saw that coming. Uh, we, I don't think really anybody did. We saw the competition was super tight. Mac Jones had been playing really well. I thought Cam Newton had been kind of playing decent as well. Maybe roll him out there in the beginning, see what they can get started, and then bring Mac in like on a bye or, you know, first, you know, that first quarter of the year. But yeah, Cam Newton gone, probably going to get picked up pretty quickly. Uh, and it just shows you that the Patriots are probably getting back to what they know with that pocket passer and uh, all the other options on the Patriots offense get a slight boon I would say yeah very surprising uh but he says he says don't feel bad for him so we won't Hmm. he did say that in his funny funny little font what about the news of um I was just looking at it well major 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 cut Equinamius St. Brown was cut from the Packers yeah, that's a brutal one. Hopefully he goes to the Lions and joins his brother, but he just never could get it going there in the Packers. I wonder why. You know, you always wonder why some of these guys just aren't – don't ever turn out to be anything. Like T said, he's got all the tools. All the tools, all the physical gifts, but couldn't do it. Looking through the cut list, I guess I am – I mean, they're not major names besides Cam Newton, really. Um, maybe you considered Jordan Howard a big name, but he hasn't been anything in fantasy for a couple of years now. The bigger takeaway, though, is we get a clearer picture specifically about some of these backfields. Right? We kind of see who the backups are. We see who is going to have a role, at least what we think, based on the roster construction. Mm-hmm. Also, some of the wide receiver cores kind of clear up, too. Like, namely, I think of the Eagles. One of our favorite guys, Travis Fulgham, got cut. Yeah, that's the one I was a little sad to see. He was the guy that was, I think, going into the offseason, the, the person we would guess would be the, the third wide receiver after Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. But now he's been cut, so it's Quez Watkins. Somehow, some way, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is, is back in the mix, I think, because he had a decent – He is? Season. He didn't get cut, so he's – Oh, my word. So, I don't know. Seen some stuff about Nick Sirianni being the the wide receiver whisperer, I guess, and maybe he fixed Artego Whiteside. But so that's that's the takeaway, I guess, that we have. Like, look at the people that were cut. And if you are a dynasty manager, or or even if you have like a redraft league or redraft draft coming up, like, use that to say, okay, I have more confidence in like a, Antonio Gibson, for example, because they cut Peyton Barber. So no more like short yardage goal line competition. Not that we thought Peyton Barber was going to do much. Right. But there was that possibility. I think those are, I think that's like the ticket when you're looking at cut day is not necessarily that the guys getting cut, we're going to do anything to the guys that are behind and starters, but it just solidifies you just a little bit more like the Peyton Barber cut all the Antonio owners it's like okay there's just one less running back there you know one less possible poach for a touchdown you know or two three throughout the year just whatever like a short yardage situation you know that now Antonio or what have you like you said 
It's just that little bit more reassurance as we're getting ready. Like you said, nine days to the season cut day, you're seeing some of these guys. Okay. That guy's gone. Not saying it was a big competition for him, but just saying just a one less mouth to feed one less person on the depth chart to even think about and worry about just, I like that when it comes to some of the, when you're seeing like, you know, you can go to the one end of the spectrum of Cam Newton being cut. And obviously, you know, without that happening, you probably going to have some confusion with other players on the team. Will if Cam Newton starts, how good does that look for John U Henry, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers, but now with the cam gone, you have a lot more confidence in those extra players, those other guys on the uh, receiver core, running back core, so, yeah, it's a good point to make that cut day just will solidify some of these other positions and clear up some of that mud just a little bit more. Exactly. So let's just get in talking about power rankings, but I wanted to throw it back a little bit. I pulled up, I pulled up the old records, went back into the storeroom, pulled out the box, pulled out some dust, and I got – our last set of power rankings from week 13, that episode, the last, the last matchup one that we did before the playoffs started, before fantasy playoffs started. Okay. So get a get a kick out of this, I guess. The ranks that we had were, I'll, I'll start from the top here, but you, Sneak, were number one in the power ranks. <laughs> Two was Brendan. Three was me. Four, Matt. Five, Jimbo. Six, Big T. Seven was Jesse. Eight was Chase. Nine was Ben. Eric at 10. And then Doug at 11. Wade rounding us out at 12. So, wow. That's funny to look at. It's almost, I mean, like what, 10 months ago, that's what it looked like. I think the big surprise is we going in the playoffs, we were like, okay, Tyler's going to make it. Jesse's going to be out. And that flipped, which kind of changes the whole, not trajectory of the league because it didn't really matter, but it kind of changes how both those teams feel about their rosters. So that's pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> I knew I was going to be up there one or two. And then now I'm very, very low after trading the team away. And then you got someone like Eric who's jumped up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's good. That's good look back. So let's get started here with our preseason. And I guess we'll kind of stay as our week one power rankings. We will start from bottom to top, but then we'll go in depth for each team and talk about why we ranked them where we did what they have to look forward to, whatever. Yeah. We're going in on everybody. Yeah. So number 12, the Doug J team. Number 11, Soup Face, that's Sneak's team. Me. Number 10, Wade, that's TT Showbiz. Number nine, Smith Ben 08. Coming up here in our six through eight spot, we actually had a three-way tie I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Between Jesse, Jim, and Tyler. So we'll, we'll talk about each of those teams and kind of why they all fit in that same bracket. So they're fighting for the, the last playoff spot in our rankings. And then our top five kind of solid playoff teams are Chase at five, Eric at four, a tie between Brendan and Matt for that two, three second spot. Then your boy Scummy at number one. Naturally, two-time winner. I'm going to get ahead of everyone, too, because they're going to be mad about that one. But I won two years in a row, and this will this is probably the last time that I'll be at number one. So let me have it. You guys hate me, but, uh, I mean, I'm the winner. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to go against a two-time winner. Their team really hasn't changed a whole lot. It's what, what are we going to not, what are we going to do? Put you at two. Like you do deserve to be preseason going into the week one ranked as number one after 
winning two years in a row. And it could very well change after week one, but very hard to keep old scum dog out of the top slot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to change, I think, but let's, we'll get to that point. We'll talk about those dynamics at the top specifically, but as always, when we do our weekly shows, we're going to talk about rankings from bottom to top. So maybe in another little surprise, we had Doug at number 12, the last ranked team in our league. Doug does have Derrick Henry. So do you think that maybe we are too low on his team or is, is our ranking accurate because he's got no one else? That's exactly where I was coming from. Obviously, you could have put me down there. I personally rank myself above Doug as well. Maybe that's because it's, you know, the Scum and Sneak show. Oh. But when you look at Doug's team, you made the point. He has Derrick Henry, but he does not have anything else. If Derrick Henry does not score 30 to 35, 40 points a, uh, in any given week, he's most likely going to lose. Right now, the way his roster is constructed and the way Doug kind of manages his team, He's running out Devontae Parker, Marvin Jones in the receiver slot. He's got the oft confused, who knows what to play in that Bucks backfield, Leonard Fournette. Tua is going to probably win some games for the Dolphins, but he's definitely not going to light up the scoreboard fantasy wise. You know, other than Henry, and I guess you can make the case for Waller, if those two guys do not absolutely ball out consistently every week, he's going to lose probably every game. And we saw that we saw that a lot last year, you know, and then I guess, you you know, I'm not going to get into this really, but the way the league also is, is that, you know, we have like the top four or five teams that are always trying, always trying to be better, always trying to keep it up there, trying to do whatever it takes. And then we've got players like the Bens and the Dugs and the Wades that just kind of make their drafts, have their team and kind of hope for the best every, every week. So with Doug's team, I truly believe that if something ever happened to Henry or if he doesn't blow up, which he tends to start season slow, then I don't see how he's really ever going to win too many games. That's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Don't really see anyone on the team that can be at that Derrick Henry level of scoring. Like his receivers, his quarterback play is all just very uh, adequate in my opinion. So that's not league winners. That's not playoff bound. That's, in my opinion, recipe for the number 12 spot. Yeah, and I did undersell a little bit, not mentioning Darren Waller as a huge piece of his team because he is. Darren Waller, I think we both had him as a top three tight end this year, right? He might have had him four, but even still, he's one of the top options and functionally operates as Doug's wide receiver one. True. Sorely needed because if it wasn't Waller, it would be Chase Claypool, who has had really good games, but isn't very consistent. And I don't know how, how likely it is that he kind of vaults himself into that tier of top 12, top 15 wide receivers, especially with just the competition that he has in the wide receiver court in Pittsburgh. So that's really where we start to see the drop off. He's got two solid options um, in Derrick Henry and Darren Waller, but even Derrick Henry if he's not rushing for 2000 yards again, is he going to fall back now into that wide or in that running back six, seven range instead of top three? I think that's kind of like the likely scenario we see this year, just because uh, I know people say it often, but I don't think he can sustain that pace. And if he proves me wrong, then great for Derrick Henry. That's super cool to see Great for Doug. But even with that happening again, there's just not enough on this roster to compete people were going to be high on Daryl Henderson this year before they traded they being the Rams traded for Sony Michelle so now you've got another committee like you mentioned with uh, Leonard Fournette on Doug's team another committee so he's not going to have solid production week to week maybe he can find uh, gold in the Jets backfield um, his major additions this offseason were the Jets backfield, namely Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter. He didn't get Ty Johnson though, because you have Ty Johnson and that might be his kind of downfall. He did add some depth in the draft with Amon Ross St. Brown and did trade for Marvin Jones Jr. So could again be serviceable pieces, but he doesn't have the top shelf talent to 
to really compete for a playoff spot, I don't think. Yeah, and the only, not to go too far into the future, the only saving grace is that he does have three, six picks in the first three rounds next year. But like I said, some of these players just rely on just whatever they have, make the drafts and and go. I think if Doug truly ever wants to stop being a bottom feeder in the low end of these rankings and actually start competing, he needs to do something else. He needs to really get involved in this league, get involved in his team uh, to make a move because, you know, Derek Henry's getting up there in age. If this team doesn't do anything other than just draft next year, uh, it could very well even be worse. So we'll see. We shall see. Number 11, Sneak, you put up a good fight to, to not be the worst team. So good on you there. This was also by design as you made the big trade that we've talked about cashed in the majority of your team to acquire a lot of first round picks. So you're looking towards the future. Uh, You did draft Justin Fields this year to pair with a strong stable quarterback. So that's good. But, you know, unfortunately we have to have you at 11 losing Zeke, losing Dalvin, losing Joe Mixon. Your best running back right now is Gio Bernard, probably maybe some of these other guys could hit, but He'll have a role. You've got Dak Prescott who can probably win you some games by himself this year. So that's going to happen. Hunter Henry, another strong option. But after that, you kind of have the Doug issue with not much behind those guys, but you have strong draft pick capital and your outlook in the future. It's probably a little brighter than Doug's. Yeah. Like I said, you could easily put me at number 12 because of the way the team looks. It is not, not going to instill fear or anything in anybody. It's obviously in a rebuilding year, but I think I deserve to not be number 12 for the fact that I've been in the top three to four for the last like three to four years with the team that I've had and the amount of work I try to put into always being at the top and the work and the trade that I made, well, whether a lot of people disagree with it or think it's not enough or whatever. I have nine first round picks in the next two years, a couple seconds and some thirds here and there. So I have a huge rebuilding ahead of me and just drafted Justin Fields, a great young quarterback, Dak Prescott, who we know is a stat monster. So yeah, the team I have now, not good, probably not going to win. I have Gio Bernard as my number one quarterback or running back. I've got a stable of random ass receivers, but I think, the only reason why I put myself a little bit above is kind of just what I said. I felt like I am at least actively always trying to be good. And the history shows that I probably just, I felt like I deserved to just not be number 12. And who knows, the wheeling and dealing is not over. I could drop all these first after three weeks and get right back into the mix because I care and I want to always be involved. So yeah, obviously my team is brutal. It's not going to do much to anybody, but there, I wouldn't be surprised if I win still two or three games to some of these players like the Doug and the Wade team, the Hesse team or what have you, you know, if I catch a good week with an injury or something like that, I'm not saying that's necessarily what I want because I am building for the future, but I think all that combined at the 11 spot is well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> Even now, and to your point, you've been much more active than Doug on the waiver wire already. You've made good pickups. So, I mean, like you're going to get the edge there for sure. And you've got some got some potential. Donovan Peoples-Jones, hello. Okay, number three receiver coming into the season, second year. I'm excited for Peoples. Behind two receivers that have not stayed healthy. You've also got sneaky sleeper Mike Straken. Stratching, 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 stratching. He's fun. And just a bunch of guys. And I know you'll be watching the waiver wire. You'll be adding. So probably going to be a, a fun year for you just in a different way than you're used to. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited for. Let's move on to number 10, Gus TT showbiz who had higher hopes going into the year than I think the 10 spot uh, would suggest, but he had a major loss in losing Travis Etienne, mm-hmm. his third overall pick, who was going to be a, a solid running back for him in an area of need. So I think that's probably what drove him down to this spot and not have him in that other tier that we talked about that was kind of 
you know, muddled and messy. He did add uh, some solid running back depth, though. Despite losing ETN, he has Ramondre Stevenson that's looking like a, a steal. Yeah, even the darling of the draft. <laughs> even if he's not going to be, you know, a starter or even in a committee, he looks good. He's going to have a role, and you never know what happens. He also added, you know, hype machine Elijah Moore. So if Zach Wilson is slinging it and Elijah Moore is good, he'll have that to add to a really strong wide receiver core. Yeah. And he gets a boost in Sony Michelle from being in the dreaded, you know, Patriots backfield, even though we just sang Ramondre's praises. Now he's going to go to the Rams who are going to have to use him. We know Henderson can't stay healthy. And even if they both are healthy, it's going to be a split. So he's gotten some, some boosts there. I just think that he's another year away adding to some running back depth, maybe trading one of those good receivers that he has, but he could very well have two of the top five, even top three receivers in Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. So yeah, Wade's, yeah, agree, agree, agree. Wade's team has always been running back needy, and I don't think that really changes, even with the Michelle to the Rams trade, just a little bit, just a slight bit better situation. Wade's team is always funny to me because I think I feel like at least last year, maybe even the year before, we were saying, you know, Wade's team is almost there. It feels like it's almost there. He had a lot of good draft picks before the draft picks were made. Obviously, Etienne lost and stuff there. But when you look at the team on paper, it looks like it could be just with this fate, the sake of Josh Allen, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb. Like those players, any given Sunday, will win you games. We'll win you games just them alone. Yeah, and There's games where Tyreek Hill is going to be projected for 20 points a game. Josh Allen is a monster, we know. So maybe he won't need as much in the way the league is constructed out of the running back situation uh, in his situation. But I would, I would really agree with the fact that, or the, what you said about him trying to maybe move one of these receivers to really solidify that running back spot. And it probably doesn't even have to be Tyreek or CeeDee Lamb. He could maybe do a package with the Galladay's or the Waddle. I know he just drafted him, Gallup or Mike Williams, depending on what those offenses look like up front in the next couple of weeks to really give himself a running back help. But I just don't have any confidence that Wade's going to put that much, uh, you know, <laughs> glasses on the team and start sending out trade offers or communicating with the league on possible trade situations to, So I don't see that happening, but I think that's what he would need to happen to really jump him up from this 10 spot. But yeah, man, I don't know. I think this is why these teams are at the bottom is because they just, they have what they have and they just kind of hope for the best. They don't, when you really look between players like the Wades and the Dugs compared to players like you, Matt, Gooch, Eric, Brendan teams is they, they have really good teams. You guys have really good teams, but you don't, it doesn't stop there. There's always something to be improved upon. And that I think is the reason why Wade is now at number 10 is because he just, you know, obviously cut a bad break with ETN. He was going to be playing him every week, but now you do, you know, you'd be sad for a day, you pivot and you make a move. And I just, yeah, I guess that's my my advice slash reason why Wade is at number 10. Yeah, it goes back to what we say all the time, too, I think, about the running back position being the most important, being the position that you need to invest in, in fantasy in general, because you named a lot of the other guys on his team that are great options. Josh Allen, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, we talked about. TJ Hawkinson is a very popular, like, breakout tight end candidate yeah. this year. Yep, good point. Strong everywhere except for running back. He can have all those guys. And when Ronald Jones is his best running back for fantasy, you know, he'll win weeks for sure. He'll surprise some people, but it's just not going to be enough to get him there, you know, barring anything crazy like a Ramondre explosion. Yeah, and that what a good pick. You know, Ramondre Stevenson yeah. looking really nice in the preseason. Probably this year is not going to be it for him, but – you know, good decision there, but I think you just you just can't stop. You can't hang your hat on the fact that you got a nice third round running back. Maybe next year, like if he wants to win, uh, maybe wants to make playoffs. If he wants to be, you know, higher up in in the in the rankings here, like you got to keep going off that. You got to do more, and I think that's just an overall 
uh, arching theme for some of our bottom teams. You know, he has the ability to do that too. He's got good enough players on the team and pit capital to where he could really, really strengthen this team. So Wade, if you're listening, think about it, my man. Yeah. Like you said, it's an overarching theme for these bottom teams. So same thing with Ben, who we'll talk about next, our number nine team. I, I've said it a lot over the past two seasons. I like the pieces on Ben's team. There's just no, no growth, and he's kind of lost a lot of value on some of his guys. Um, the reason we have him above Wade, I think, is just because he has Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders, and then the Buffalo Bills running back. So he's got known guys, at least, that he can play um, and definitely yeah. younger than, than Wade's. But, you know, the Bills – Guys, um, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they're splitting time. We don't really know what they're doing. Miles Sanders has lost a lot of luster. So um, Ben couldn't really capitalize on some of that, I feel like. And then his only major additions this year were Trevor Lawrence coming in for the rookie year and Devontae Smith. So good prospects, but this year it didn't boost him to anything, um, even though he didn't lose anybody necessarily. It's just He's kind of in the same spot he was last year, which is can probably fight for a playoff spot. Maybe if Tom Brady has an even better year this year, he can really push for it, but probably just going to be more of the same, even though he's got what I would say is great players kind of at every position except tight end. Yeah, the nine spot with Ben is very fitting, and you mentioned it with the running backs. Sanders and Taylor is, is a nice little duo there, but – I would also very, very much agree with the fact that Sanders is losing some of that luster in that backfield. You know, I feel like I feel like we harped on this at a couple points throughout the season last year. It's like we're waiting for Sanders to be that guy, be whatever that guy means, have that it, have that like legit running back potential. And with the addition of Gainwell and just the way that Eagles offense is seemingly going like Ben might be getting himself into a weird, like Miles Sanders is maybe, maybe a top 20 running back if he's lucky, but never going to be the explosive guy that we thought or were kind of, I guess you could say hoping for the DJ Moore, Cooper cup middling, in my opinion, receivers, you know, still probably top 15, a lot of that. But yeah, man. I mean, very similar team to what he ran out there last year and the draft, you know, the Lawrence pick, nice for a future, definitely not going to do anything for him this year because you can't imagine him going away from Brady much this year unless there's an injury or he just – Brady just is sucking, which we don't see that happening. And then the Devonta Smith, very – you know, he's going to hang his hat on hoping that Devonta Smith is special. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, the draft didn't really prove to change much for his team. Uh, but – Again, six teams make the playoffs. Uh, ben was on the cusp last year. I don't even, did he make the playoffs? I don't even remember. Probably not. No. But he's going to be there fighting for a little bit. Out. Coming in, we'd have him ranked nine, uh, depending on, again, how the season goes. He could be jumping up maybe to that right on that set six, seven level of making the playoffs. But again, you look at the team, and other than Taylor hoping that he's just going to be a monster. There's nothing that on the team that strikes fear again uh, in, I don't think a lot of opposing teams, uh, you know, you don't really see anyone on that team that is just like, wow, that guy is, you know, a position winner when he goes up against matchups other than you could make the case for Taylor. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'm, I'm steadily convincing myself more and more that, uh, Sam Darnold's going to be really good. So I'm a believer in like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, that group, but uh, probably wrong on that. So I think you're, you're right that week to week, you're not going to be like, Oh no, I got to play Ben with DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore would just be a nice piece, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next group we have is our little cluster between uh, six and eight. So who do you want to start with between Jesse, Jim and Tyler? Let's start with Big T. Big T. So close to a playoff spot last year. Team just really faded at the end, losing Todd Gurley, not just in this offseason, but midseason last year, really. Still got his strong core, got Aaron Rodgers coming off of a super strong year. Still has the, the DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham trio. And he has Raheem Mostert, who I – 
I think I called him a, a dope on the Hopes and Dope episode, but I'm coming around to him being very usable for the majority of the year. Health is obviously a big concern there. Workload probably is a concern, but I still think that with limited touches, Raheem Mostert will get like valuable carries. Like I would, I could see him getting maybe not goal line work, but at least that like 10 yards and in uh, kind of stuff. And then he can break one at any time. So I think Raheem Mostert will be good. He's just another team that really needs to shore up that running back position. He's got some maybe type guys if there's an injury or if Mac Jones really favors James White. But that's going to be T's big hill to climb is, is trying to find some running back to piece together for his season. So, Scum, if I may, I want to just pivot a little bit since we've got both all three of these teams basically tied up in that middle. Yeah. I have a little idea here. I yeah. What I did, the reason why I really couldn't figure out how to slot them is I took – I looked at their team, and in my opinion, they all three have – two very good pieces in my opinion that kind of i don't know you could say cancel each other out or all this the same value or what have you so like for me i'm just gonna go for it i'm just gonna go with this you jump on if you think uh, we should do this or not so t in my opinion he's got dk and amari really good receivers really good teams pass heavy the type of players, in my opinion, and the offenses that they're on can instill the fear, can blow up for 25, 30 points every week. We got Hesse with Young, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins. Jefferson had a monster year. We're expecting that to be, the, I guess, the same, maybe a little regression. And Higgins, all the talks is that he's the number one guy in Cincinnati, and we're expecting Burrow to throw the ball like 700 times this year. So those two players, in my opinion, could have really awesome games be difference makers for the Hesse team. And then you've got Jimbo. We're going to go running back here. you got Clyde and you got Carson, which are going to always be the potential to have really big games. There were some games last year where Carson caught multiple touchdowns, I think, or maybe it was just one week, but like you're just, you see these, in my opinion, they've got these players have the potential to be big stat getters each and every week. So I think that's the, the good and the bad for the team is you look at those teams, you're like, man, Ty- Tyler's got DK and Amari. That is nice. You're like, oh, dang, Hesse's got Jefferson and Higgins, really good young, awesome receivers, and Jimbo with really good running backs, uh, even though Carson is getting up there in age a skosh. But I think that is the reason why I kind of have trouble with these teams. They're very, in my opinion, they're all three extremely similar because of those reasons. And yeah, I don't know. Like, that's yeah. kind of where, where I went with it. You could obviously look at Tessie's team. David Montgomery is nice. Lamar Jackson, who knows what you're going to get out of him, I feel like now. Jimbo, Kyler can be one of those types of players, but his receivers, in my opinion, leave some to be desired. And then T obviously does not really have any running backs outside of Mostert. And so that's how I kind of look at these teams is they're all very, very similar because of those players. Uh, and that's where I think the middle of the pack here with the rankings and throughout the year is going to get tight. And it's interesting when I see these teams are going to play each other. It's like what duo or, or trio, if you will, throw a quarterback, another receiver running back in is going to be the difference maker when they play each other, which could very well be the reason why they, one of them, two of them, three of them, all of them, whatever, make or do not make the playoffs. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a really fair point. Uh, across the board, all the teams are pretty similar. You mentioned the quarterbacks, so the three quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson. When we did our quarterback episode, we didn't rank Aaron Rodgers because we weren't sure if he was playing this year. But all three of those guys are going to be top 10, probably. You detailed the receivers, and I would put Bobby Trees and Robbie Anderson kind of in the range of those other groups. I think them as a pair would be the worst of the three. Uh, comparing them to who you mentioned, but I still think that those guys are good. And then tight ends, you know, they're all kind of in the same range. Tyler has Tyler Higby as his uh, number one tight end. Jim has Noah Fant or Logan Thomas. I put those guys kind of in the same range. And then Jesse has Mark Andrews, so probably the best tight end of the bunch, but Jim would have the best running backs. It all kind of goes, you know, you give and take between those three, which to your point is why we have them. So closely ranked, why they're all tied 
I think you and I had them in completely different orders between the three, just based off our opinions of the players. But yeah, they're all going to be fighting for that playoff spot, that last spot. Um, it's going to come down to health. And really that's it because uh, the weakness of all three teams in general is probably going to be their depth. So who can Yeah, help? and just another little similarity is if you look at all of their potential draft capital to make moves, they all basically have the same kind of picks. None of, they don't have any firsts. Maybe there's a second in there somewhere. And if the first, it's we're probably looking at 23 to 24. Now the 24 has opened up. So even draft capital, they all seem to have the same type of picks laying around. So if they wanted to do something without giving up a players and have picks out there to be traded, they really don't have any picks that are be worthy of getting a, a, a stud running back or another stud receiver or what have you. So yeah, they're very, very similar, same type teams in my opinion. That's why they're ranked that way. And that's why it's going to be a very tight, just kind of like it was last year. If I remember correctly, that middle of the pack, about halfway through the year, we were like always jostling for position. Who's ranked at that six, at that five, who's fall, who's fell this week. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. You've got your, you have your obvious top guys. And then that middle is going to be very, very tight. And just to go and go back to the Doug, the Ben Wade, that's where they have the ability like the, to do something, to get up there, make that push. That's why I'm like, you know, don't be afraid to like get involved. If you want like to make a push and become a, get in the playoffs, trust me, it's fun. Scared money. Don't make money. Yeah, exactly. Tell them scum. Scared money. Don't make money. Golly. But it's kind of funny. So Hesse got that last playoff spot last year. Your pick to be the sixth team this year was big T. My pick was Jim. So again, just kind of showing the the evenness of all those teams. So yeah, we'll we'll see how things progress. And that's what the show's for. We're gonna monitor it, we're gonna make proclamations. But as for now, for the preseason ranks, uh you all three are gonna make it, I guess. Brandon, yeah. you better figure that out. <laughs> Shink, let's take a break here before we get into our top five. We've got a lot of discussions so far. But this ad is going to go out to the ladies, the listeners who have to deal with people during draft season, and it might be a little difficult. Are you a wife or girlfriend that's tired of watching him spend all his free time looking at fantasy football? Waiver wire? Sounds fake. Tight end? Gay. Starting a podcast. <laughs> well, ladies, we need to stick together. If you need a safe group to vent your frustrations, we at Annoyed Anonymous are here to help. We meet every Thursday in the multi-purpose room of your local community center. Annoyed Anonymous for when their fantasies don't benefit you. Make sure to bring your bottle of wine. Now back to the show. And we are back for the top five, top five, top five. Top five. Sneak, uh, our Top fives were basically the same. I think it's a pretty clear group of guys. So anything that you think is really going to be the separator between this group that we talk about? I know we're going to have them ranked in a certain order, but is there like one thing that could happen that you see making someone really stand out and be the favorite this year to win? The favorite, stand out to become the favorite. Um, gosh, good question. Good question. You know, I think maybe it'll come to me as we start to get into the teams. Maybe not, maybe not the favorite, but I think if some, if one of these guys' teams starts out kind of ho-hum, maybe loses a game, maybe an injury, maybe players aren't performing, there could be some panic setting in, a la maybe you scum, maybe, oh, maybe Brendan with some of his running back woes, losing Dobbins, maybe the Swift uh, injury is going to – bite on his legs a little bit too hard to start out. Maybe there'll be some heavy moving and shaking that will either drop you down to the re uh, a half halfway rebuild, or maybe you'll just stay up the top and your team will just look completely different. I don't know. I think the only deciding factor that I can think of is going to be that is going to be a slow start an injury to really push some of these top teams to be like, well, maybe it's not going to do it for me. Maybe I need to grab a couple picks 
or what have you. But other than that, I'm not seeing anything right now. Gotcha. What I'm hearing is the deciding factor for the champion this year is what I decide to do. (laughs) Wise well, you've been running this league for two years. (sighs) Okay. Let's go back to our rankings. We got number five, Chase, Bud Light four, who's had a busy, busy off season. He added Aaron Jones. He added Saquon Barkley. He added Matt Stafford. He did lose Cam Akers to injury, but he was the second biggest riser compared to our end of season ranks last year. So what are your thoughts on the Gooch team? Gooch team is looking really nice with, without, if he wouldn't have lost Akers, I don't know if his ranking would have been any different, but it would have been maybe a three-way tie for the second because his team is really nice on paper. If Barkley has shows no signs of injury, comes out firing, the Barkley-Aaron Jones duo at the running backs is scary, very scary potential there. Currently, he's got his roster set up to play Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. I don't know if the 49ers offense is going to uh, be enough to handle three pass catchers. Uh, I imagine that gets changed at some point or it gets played around with. I know he's got Boyd and Sutton on the bench. Those guys will probably crack the lineup sooner rather than later. But yeah, man, like really good to McLaren, even though we're not McLaren guys, he's a clear cut number one stud receiver. Ayuk is looking like he can become that. And we all been talking Stafford. Uh, he made the trade with me about a month ago or so to get Stafford on the team. Uh, that offense could be slinging it a ton, maybe not necessarily garbage time, but we know how Stafford just is out there, always just chucking it left and right. So Gooch has probably out of the teams, the potential, if all of his players are hitting right, to jump his ranking pretty quickly. Uh, But again, I I hate it for him to lose the acres, uh, you know, seem to be going to be the guy. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of, what we're looking at with the Gooch team. Yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right that looking at his running backs, he could very well at the end of the year have the top running back duo, like the top two on the team compared to everyone else for sure. Uh, I think what kept him down, at least for me, is the question marks at wide receiver. So, yes, like you said, he could really jump up high if all these guys hit and are great. But looking at them, and like looking at our wide receiver show rankings, every other team that we have above him has at least another receiver that's in that like top 12 range, if not multiple. So yeah. that was the one thing where he like compared to the others, he might not be as strong, but that could very well change. If we're wrong on McLaurin, I mean, probably not, but if we are, you know, he could really jump if Sutton is back from the injury and looking strong throughout the season, then yeah, we could be uh Looking at a real contender here. I like I like and that I, answer. And and I think for me, and I'm just not a Chase Edmonds guy. I know Gooch has always been high on him. I don't know if it's uh, I don't know, I guess I don't know why, but I think if Edmonds has a bad week one, two, where his usage is odd and off-putting, Gooch will be running out there with another receiver in that uh, flex spot. But I think that's probably the reason why one of the reasons why there's a little just a slight question mark because the losing of the acres and playing Edmonds, I don't see Edmonds being a difference maker when Sutton or Boyd would probably have a better chance of being a difference maker than Edmonds. But again, that's just because I have a bias on Edmonds and I just don't think he's really that good. Sure. I mean, there definitely is a drop off between acres and Edmonds. So I don't think anyone's going to argue that, but Top five, Gooch, with the chance to move up. Hope you're happy with that. Yeah. Be happy now. Number four, LaVisca LaVusca. LaVusca. Who was basically your team that we had ranked in the top four all last year, plus a little bit extra, which is kind of fun for him. So, uh, again, the number one biggest riser from our year-end ranks last year. And just has a strong, deep team with, I'd say, one and a half major concerns, which is what keeps him from the top three. But uh, running back, super stout. We've talked about them, I don't know how many times on this show. 
Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon. Love that trio. Love that trio. Going to be great for him. Um, but not much to say there. Wide receiver, he's got Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett. Like, give me those two any day. I know that Lockett has had his ups and downs, but I think pairing him with a very consistent Keenan Allen is, is the best scenario for Eric. You know, you're going to have down weeks with Lockett for sure, but you're going to be kind of bolstered by a consistent 13 to 17 from Keenan Allen, right? Most weeks. Eric's problem is at quarterback. Though. He drafted Trey Lance. He has Sam Darnold. So two guys that I'm like, I could definitely see at the end of the year being very good, but definitely question marks. And then at tight end, I'm high on Kyle Pitts. You're extremely not high on Kyle Pitts. So that's why we call it a half a question mark. Yeah, I would agree. I, again, I'm going to agree. And we're just going to talk about the draft a little bit. Obviously, we know and we know and we know that Eric is a big draft guy. He had an awesome draft adding the number one running back, Najee Harris, the number one slash two-ish Jamar Chase, even though his camp has been a little rusty. So with that trio of running backs, he's got another top 12 running back, 12, top 14 running back on the bench. Yep. So a very stout, solid team. Quarterback would agree is definitely his little bit of his misstep. I'm not a Darnold guy. Uh, hopefully Lance starts in the next, you know, the first four games or so, adding the running ability. And I'm not a Pitts guy, but I am a, I am a Juju guy this year. I think he's going to be a oh, target reception monster. I think he's going to get tons of work tons of that possession type receiver for the uh, Steelers that is just uh, I'm really high on it for some reason. Maybe it's just false, whatever in my brain, but I think that's a nice number three for him. I think Pitts is going to struggle more than you guys think he's going to. I think it's going to be a lot of growing pains, but again, he could probably get away with it the way that his running backs are set up. He could easily get 25 per running back every week. If he could play four, we would be in trouble. That's for sure. That is a great point. If he if if it was a full running back league, Eric would have a clear advantage over everyone else. Uh, I kind of wanted to have the Kyle Pitts argument again, but we don't have to. I think though that what really hurts him is is if I'm wrong on Kyle Pitts, Eric did have at least another hope of a breakout guy in Irv Smith Jr. Until the injury that we just heard about this week, so that's a major blow too putting his tight end success in jeopardy and going back to another one of your points really quick is I think that the good thing for Eric is he's got a lot of good options for that third wide receiver Juju like you mentioned everyone knows I really like Curtis Samuel this year looking a little more dicey because he has been hurt and hasn't like practiced or played in the preseason at all so don't like that but even if it's not those guys, he's got LaVisca Chenault. He has KJ Hamler, who had a great preseason. So even though he traded away Antonio Brown, he still has those options. And that's not even including if Jamar Chase gets over the yips. So Yeah, and Terrace Marshall is looking and Marshall. as well. So, yeah, Eric's got a great team, great depth, uh, great potential. Uh, and at that four spot, again, we, he could be – we could be talking about him being the number one spot here come week 10 11 or so but yeah this top five group is it's the contenders right it's like the guys that are are all going to jostle at the top so i don't think even though we ranked like chase and eric so far lower than everyone else i mean they are firmly in the mix so i will say that all right our next two sneak are the the yin and yang of the group the, the new best friends new best friends best friends like oil and water like flaming hot and funyuns just two two opposites but two sides of the same coin i don't know that's a there's a beauty in their rivalry i would say who do you want to talk about first or do you want to do them together like we did uh the middle group cluster i think i think we have to kind of sort of do them together again they have very in my opinion some pretty similar teams i'm going to just kind of go off matt here real quick 
the James Robinson or the injury to Etienne, James Robinson now again being the guy, a huge yeah. boom for him. Big boost, yep. Big, big boost. And with the Mac Jones being the starter, I think that really helps out Damian Harris being a go-to running back there. And I really like that for him. You know, he was, I guess, maybe thinking that he needed to get another top-tier running back, in my opinion, like Antonia. But now he does not need to make any quick decisions. He can kind of see how it plays out. The receiving core has been good and will be good with Hopkins, Allen Robinson, A.J. Brown. I guess you could find a little bit of a something with the Robert Tanyan at tight end, but if he gets even eight touchdowns this year, that's going to be amazing. So don't really have too much fear or, or worry there. And then he's got everyone's, he's got everyone's handcuff. It appears. And then he's got Gaskin <laughs> and, or Mike uh, Malcolm Brown sitting on the bench at, as his potential, what four. Uh, so, and then Mike Davis, he's currently got in this. So he's got, He's got a lot of starters. He's got a lot of guys that are guaranteed to get the work. Deontay Johnson, I think, is going to have a nice year. Mooney is going to have a nice year once Justin Fields gets in there. So very deep team. Like, I haven't looked at his team, I feel like, in a while, and I'm pleasantly surprised with what I'm seeing. You know, uh, Justin Herbert, a monster. And this is just one of those teams where if he feels like he really wants to – that's the beauty of the teams like Eric, Brandon – and Matt, and I'm going to just exclude you from that list just because of how I'm seeing the depth here is if for some reason Matt really felt like he was like, man, I don't want, you know, maybe I, maybe I just get rid of James Robinson, Mike Davis, get like do a big package out there. Maybe he wants to get some picks or maybe he wants to find, maybe he wants to get rid of Hopkins for a potential down slope in the end of his career and go get an, in what is mind another top 12 running back. Like these guys, these guys have options and I love having options. <laughs> I wish I had options. Yeah, I feel like I feel like out of the top four, you just don't have as many options right now as them. You are banking on your amazing team being amazing. But I think, like I kind of said when we started out talking about this top, is I feel like you will get into your team has the more the most potential to there's an injury or a slow start where you don't have as many options. So it's either going to be a blow up or ride it out. And I think we know that whatever it is, you'll be successful at it. How's that? Listen here. I always have options. We'll get to me though. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Matt does have a very deep team, really strong at wide receiver. So has a lot to play with there and can wait and see it, what his running backs do, you know, not, not options that were like, I don't even want to say not excited about because like you said, Damon Harris has some, uh, has a good outlook now with the quarterback change, but there's not the guys who are like, Oh, solid top 10. We already know this like plug and play no matter what. Oh, true. 100%. His options aren't the like, Oh dang, he's got so-and-so on the bench. Like Mike Davis, the starter, no competition. He could be like the Joe Mixon of last year where he just gets 25 carries for 60 yards and that's 20 points yeah sure like those are the type of players that he has they're not they're not like ooh and ahs but they're like man i can plug and play mike davis and i'm i only really need to get like 15 points from him and i'm gonna win my week you know what i'm saying like that's kind of yeah i do that's kind of felt like how i was last year i think i don't remember i feel like i always kind of said that matt and i were similar teams last year where our players were just but by situation volume alone you know that you're going to win because you just, who else is getting the carries, but Elliot Mixon, who else is getting the carries, but Mike Davis and James Robinson, right? Like that's how it's going to be for Matt's team this year. And that's all he's going to need to really win his weeks. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's hundred percent. Right. It is good. Like those, those guys are going to score points. I was just kind of contrasting it to Brandon's running back. Exactly. I like that segue where it's like, he lost a little bit of this with the J.K. Dobbins injury, but I mean, I feel like Gus Edwards kind of just slips into that ranking, maybe a little bit lower, but um, he's going to have weeks where you're like, man, I had to bench Gus Edwards. I had to bench Josh Jacobs and they ran for a hundred yards, but the guys that he's going to play are still going to be really good. So yeah, his, his running backs are solid. He'll be really fine on bye weeks. His receiver depth is not as good as Matt's, 
after his top two, really, because he doesn't have Michael Thomas. It gets a little questionable for that three spot, but he's got some guys that have some excitement. So, you know, I guess you kind of trade that between those two teams, like um, one stronger receiver, one stronger running back. But, yeah, Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, oh, just amazing one-two punch there. Going to be getting you massive, massive points. If you believe the Corey Davis hype and the target share he's going to get in the Jets, nice number three. But it kind of stops there. I mean, you like you like Judy, you like Pittman, but are they really going to be? They're not going to be twenty-point receivers to where you know you got Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and AJ Brown are, in my opinion, are twenty-point receivers. Right. But then you got McCaffrey, who's probably going to get you like 30 points without even breathing. And then, you, like you said, there's going to come weeks where Brandon benches Jacobs, goes for 100 yards, or benches, you know, he's probably not going to ever bench Nick Chubb, but like you don't. And then Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson, very comparable to uh, Justin Herbert. The tight end, again, if you want to really make the comparisons, who's Brandon going to roll out a tight end? Is it going to be? Goddard is, I know Evan Ingram's hurt. Who's it going to be? They're probably going to, you know, when Matt and Brandon play each other, it's going to be like, okay, they better hope all their like, <laughs> tight end. Like they both have like pretty questionable, if you will, tight ends. But again, is it really needed at this point with the, with the other players that you got on the team? I always kind of felt that way for my team. Lesser, obviously, if you were to rank the three teams, I think without my old team or Eric's team now, minus his draft picks. I was always like, well, I don't need really need much at tight end because I'm going to beat it in my receivers and running backs and potential quarterback. And I think that's where these two teams sit. And that's where you will have a huge advantage with the Kelsey situation. That's the thing. Let's go ahead and move on to me. At number one, scum for now. But yeah, it's off the back of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. That stack and that consistency at quarterback and tight end is what has helped me. be successful over the past well one season because I didn't have Mahomes before that, but that's why I can lose a little bit in the running back depth and the receiver quality compared to those other contenders because I've got advantages there. But like you mentioned earlier, after that, not much on the bench. I I too was kind of hoping to find a third running back, even if it was a sneaky guy, and couldn't do it. So uh, that's how it is. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. Yeah, I do. The Mahomes-Kelsey stack, obviously the greatest stack in fantasy football. Kamara is going to be Kamara. He, he's going to be the number one guy. Jameis Winston is probably going to dump it. He's probably going to get 10 targets a game. I'm huge. I'm big, big Eckler guy this year. I 100% oh, yeah. believe he's going to be amazing and awesome. And then you got Julio in your flex, old aging stud. But again, like you just mentioned it, you were looking for a running back. If you have any problems at running back, that's where I think there's going to be some panic setting in. You know, I guess if you lose one of them, you have their backups, you have their handcuffs, but it's not good. You know, whoever hand, whoever plays the majority of the snaps behind Kamara and Eckler aren't going to be Kamara and Eckler. Right. right. So, yeah. and you have to hope for an absolute monster season, I think, out of Ridley, which you're calling for. Yep. Because Godwin's going to be good. Thielen's going to be decent. Julio, we have no idea. So, yeah, I mean, if we're going to be completely brutally honest, the depth isn't there. Number one ranked team because of the last two years. I think you have another year in you. It's really nice, but you have to fire on all cylinders, hope for no injuries, and hope for big years again. Yeah, man. I don't know. What are you thinking? What, are you gotten any concerns? Are you like – Back of your head, be honest. Peek behind the curtain, as you always say. Are you at all worried about this team? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, I, I think we all see it for what it is. It's a starting lineup. Maybe some leeway if I can get some like receivers to pop. Like, if Marquez Callaway is a thing. If mm-hmm. I don't know if Russell Gage really kind of continues what he was doing at the end of last year, being like top twenty consistently. Then if maybe Sean Watson goes to Miami and cooks back up with Will Fuller. Yeah. So then I could maybe withstand like a, a Julio drop off or something. But yeah, if one of the running backs go down, I'm toast. If Mahomes or Kelsey goes down, I'm toast. So yeah, that's what it is. I, I would. That's like- how you like to live on the edge of edge of a knife on the on the needles needles thread. 
I went all in on these guys, and they're gonna take me to wherever I go. To the three peat? Are you are you uh, calling for a three peat right now, scum? Yeah, I'll call it right now if Chase will give me Aaron Jones back. <laughs> there it is. So yeah, I mean, I will. We'll see how the season goes. Like you said, I've got options. There's there's gonna be inflection points in the season that determine where my team goes and where all these other contenders go. So we'll see how that ends. But to kind of round out that power ranking again, I sit at the top for now, just based on my history and based off of uh, two players, really Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, two and a half and Johnny Smith. Johnny, he's going to get some, he's going to get some run at running back or what? Oh yeah. He's the goal line back. Now oh, that Cam's gone. <laughs> Cam was the goal line before. Now it's Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we said, uh, the league is going to hate this episode, but we want to hear about it. We want to know what you guys think. The good and news is that the people that we really crumbed on don't even listen. So True. Anyone that listens is in the top five. So. Yeah, they, they're hard to argue with those. But hopefully they find a way and we uh, have some good thought-provoking discussions in the next couple of days. Thought-provoking is an interesting way to put it. But uh, <laughs> thank you guys again for listening. Thanks for your support. We're here for you, and next week, week one episode. I can't wait. Week one episode, we really get into the meat and potatoes. We start to get you with the weekly hopes and dopes, predicting that Thursday game. Oh, my gosh, man. It is right around the corner, and we are excited for it. We'll catch you guys then. Have a great week, and uh, bye.